Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our second season of Medtronic Talks. In our first season, we spoke with the leaders of Medtronic's operating units to better understand the direction of each of the businesses. Now, with their courses set and clear, we're going to talk to the engineers, scientists, physicians, and other experts who are executing on these strategies. We'll still keep a tight focus on each of Medtronic's businesses, but we are going to get a lot deeper into these stories. Let's go. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. Our guest today is Mike Hess. Mike is Vice President of Corporate Technology and Innovation at Medtronic. He oversees Medtronic's Design for Reliability and Manufacturability Program, otherwise known as DRM. And this is a design framework that uh, Medtronic has uh, instituted across the company to uh, help engineers develop safer devices more quickly. And uh, it's a program that uh, Medtronic has found to be very successful. And Mike, who brings a lot of experience in medical device design, explains how it works and the benefits it brings. But before I bring you this interview with Mike Hess, Vice President of Corporate Technology and Innovation at Medtronic, I would like to introduce the sponsor of this episode, Performance Motion Devices. In this interview, I speak with Paul O'Connell. He is Vice President of Sales at Performance Motion Devices. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Tell us about Performance Motion Devices. Performance Motion Devices, or PMD, was founded in 1992 on a simple, powerful idea, high-performance motion control on an IC. Since then, we've expanded. We now offer advanced motion control products, including integrated circuits, modules, and boards to a worldwide customer base. And what's at the core of what you do, Paul? Every PMD product at its core is a motion control IC that speaks C-Motion, our powerful and easy-to-use motion programming language. So with PMD, you use a single platform for all your motion development. This helps you. You can streamline your engineering cycles, reduce the time required to build new applications, and move from project to project easily. We'll hear more from Paul and PMD a little later in the podcast. If you'd like to find out more information now, please go to pmdcorp.com. That's pmdcorp.com. Well, Mike Hess, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Mike, I'm, I'm eager to learn about uh, Medtronic's DRM program and, uh, and, and sort of understand how it's being used across the, the many business units at, at Medtronic. But as always, I'd love to find out a bit about uh, your path into uh, the medtech industry. Uh, what, was your, uh, what, what drew you to this industry? What was your first job here? So I was a biomedical engineering student at Case Western Reserve, and I was lucky enough to get a summer internship in Medtronic when I was a junior and uh, through a former student of my advisor who was currently at Medtronic at the time. And I came out to Minnesota for the summer and that was it. I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I went back to school and I wrapped up my degree and then I came back for another summer and then I did back for good. And I've been here for 32 years. That's fantastic. How, uh, what, what settled you on a biomedical uh, degree? Well, I think it's, I think it's the application. It's, it's the problem solving of biomedical engineering. You really are like, you're like the integrative engineering discipline. You know, you, you want to solve healthcare problems and you will kind of 
take any technology that comes your way that does the trick. So you're not married to a mechanical solution or electrical solution or software. It's It might vary and change over time based on what patients need or what technologies can do for you. So I love the that, that aspect of solving problems and, and being open to kind of different technologies and different ways of getting at the same solution. And what was your first... Uh... What was your first program at Medtronic? I worked on the first microprocessor-based pacemakers that we built wow. back in the early 90s um, by the name of Thera. And I wrote lots of algorithms and designed lots of features, some of which are actually still in our pacemakers today, to make them smarter and make them recognize more about what patients were experiencing and how they should change or adapt the way they were operating kind of on the fly. Interesting. And what have uh, what's your been? What has been your experience moving up through Medtronic and, and finding new opportunities for yourself? What lessons would you pass on to uh, a, a person thirty two years your your junior, I suppose, joining the company uh, now? as to, uh, to to sort of creating a, a successful path at Medtronic? Well, I think you always want to, when you, you're thinking about, you know, technologies and, and project ideas, you always want to keep front and center, like, does this make life easier for our customers or our patients? Or is it just a really cool technology? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of engineers kind of will get a bum rap because they will fall in love with the technology and they're not particularly pragmatic about what it can be used for. But I think, you know, in Medtronic, we're, we're very focused on, you know, what's the benefit going to be here? It's not just a, a better mousetrap, but it's actually going to have some the benefit here. So I think if you're a technical person and you want to demonstrate that you understand what's important to the market and to our company and to our patients and customers, you want to always keep that in mind. And you want to back, mm-hmm. back ideas that have got that kind of, um, kind of uh, attractiveness to them versus just it's cool because it's new. And how do uh, engineers sort of prepare themselves for advancement, for moving into more senior and management roles? It's it's somewhat self-directed based on what your real aptitude is. So we have a, we call it a triple track or triple ladder in the technical ranks here at Medtronic. So you can basically kind of pursue functional management, which means like departments of engineers work for you. You can pursue program management, which means like you're in charge of a, a project, but you have a small team or no team. Mm-hmm. Or you can be an individual contributor. Basically, we have, you know, we have individuals that get to the vice president level who have no direct reports, who are basically, you know, purely focused on their own personal technical impact they get to the company through indirect you know, guidance of other teams or, or the work they do themselves. And so we don't necessarily steer someone into one or the other, but kind of have a good career discussion with them as far as what really kind of resonates with them, what we think they can do. And then, you know, you start stepping into being a lead engineer in a project team before you take over a project or having interns working for you or having people rotate through the department that you give direction to before you actually have a team of six or eight folks working for you. So try to step step into that work slowly. So you, you've been at Medtronic for uh, for 32 years. How has the the company changed, and, and uh, is it the same company that it was when you when you joined 32 years ago? I mean, at its heart, it is. I mean, the, the mission of the company is the same. The the caliber of the people, the uh, the the culture, a lot of the culture is the same as far as having this very strong kind of patient customer focus. Uh, I think one thing that's changed, which is related to DRM, is that the problems that we're solving have just gotten much more complicated and much more diverse kind of in terms of trying to do. 
And so the, the demands we're putting on our project teams as far as what they're building have gone up quite a lot because now we're, we're building on almost every business. We're building complex systems with multiple pieces that all have to fit and work together sometimes for quite a long time. And you know, a long time ago, we were building much simpler systems that had a lot less to interact with and a lot less could go wrong. So I think that's that's definitely one thing across the company is just the, the stakes are higher as we build more complicated systems to tackle bigger healthcare challenges. I will take a quick break from this conversation with Mike Hess of Medtronic to hear more from our sponsor, PMD. Once again, I am speaking with Paul O'Connell. Paul is Vice President of Sales at PMD. Paul, tell me, how do you work with larger medical device OEMs? We provide these OEMs and machine designers increased performance, improved reliability, and they get their products to market faster. Now, that sounded like sales speak, even as I was saying it, but let me expand a little bit on that. So our products save OEM and machine designers months in software development, if not years. So the time to market advantages are really unquestioned. Beyond that, we improve reliability three ways. First, our solutions have been field tested across thousands of applications, resulting in rock solid products. Secondly, our support team provides services like schematic reviews, tested software examples, and reference designs. And finally, an inherent feature in our products is trace functionality. This can provide monitoring and predictive functions to improve performance and provide failure detection. So the list goes on and on with increased performance, design tools, long-term availability, setup and tuning help, plus decades of motion expertise is at your disposal. And what do you think sets you apart from uh, your competitors in the field? Well, I mentioned our C-Motion programming language a couple of times. You see, all PMD products speak this powerful language, so you can start your machine development process with one of our developers' kits or one of our off-the-shelf products like our Ion Drives or Prodigy Motion Boards. This lets you get out of the gate quickly, developing software, exercising your mechanics, and if you plan to design a custom control board for your application, this development can go on in parallel with all of your work and it'll put right over. We're also different in the sense that we understand companies will invest years getting their new machine design through approvals, bringing it to market and keeping it there. You don't need production suddenly halted by an IC provider that has decided to move to the next generation of a product or not support it anymore. As a PMD customer, you can lock in the version of any of our products and we ourselves ensure long-term availability so you can maintain that product for years. Now, you might ask how long is long-term because that, that is a sliding scale, if you will. But we still provide our products and services and support for customers who designed our first-generation products into their equipment more than 20 years ago. Customization is yet another service we offer that sets us apart. It's not uncommon for customers to require features unique to their particular system, and PMD is there to work with them to modify our standard products to meet these unique needs. And finally, you've been doing this for a long time. I'm curious, what changes have you seen in the industry and what new developments do you see in the future? Well, uh, I guess step motors. Uh, designers are doing more and more with this uh, relatively you know, basic product. They're pushing the limits due to the cost and reliability advantages. PMD helps customers by providing technology such as closed loop stepper and full digital current loop capabilities. 
Increased accuracy is another trend. We have several features built into our products that help there. One example is feed forward. You see, modern motion applications require high accuracy both during and at the end of a move. But even if your PID settings are carefully optimized, the motion at the end effector, it can never really be perfect. Our powerful technique of feed forward can be used to compensate for load inertia, machine compliance, stiction, even non-linearities in the motor. So you can build systems with better accuracy, smoother motion, and high speed operation. All right. Well, thanks, Paul O'Connell, for joining us on the podcast. And thanks, of course, to Performance Motion Devices for sponsoring this episode of Medtronic Talks. If you'd like to find out more about Performance Motion Devices, or PMD, you can go to pmdcorp.com. Well, it's it's gone through the change of of the reorganization, of which we've covered extensively on on this podcast last year. Talking to the heads of the various business units, now diving deeper into uh, into the other leaders who are who are making things go. Uh, let's talk about your role as corporate technology. You're vice president of corporate technology and innovation at Medtronic. Uh, what are your responsibilities? So the the corporate technology and innovation team is really it's, it's like a collection of centers of excellence that sit in the middle of the company and they work with all the businesses delivering specialized services or um, technology sometimes that we're really good at that, that have applications all over the place. So when I talk about centers of excellence, I mean like the corporate research center, the corporate library is part of our team. Our preclinical research is part of our team. We have a material science department, which is kind of the premier material science group within the company. Mm-hmm. And, and all these groups interact with all the businesses um, for across the spectrum of early stage projects through things that are already being manufactured to help and provide advice and guidance and consultation and engineering services um, when their expertise is called upon. So I know one of your responsibilities is uh, is overseeing or helping to manage the Design for Reliability and Manufacturability Program, or DRM, as I'll call it from here on in, because I'm not going to say that every single time. Uh, talk about the, the the DRM program. What is your oversight or involvement in the program? And then maybe we can, I'd like to understand how others in the company are using it as well. Sure. So, so DRM is really a collection of uh, good engineering practices that when used comprehensively on a project, we believe leads to better quality and better outcomes and better performance, basically for customers and patients. And uh, maybe 15 years ago or so, we had about half a dozen different versions of DRM in different parts of the company, kind of kind of homegrown. People had this. People understood they needed this, but they were just kind of locally developing their own customized program. So we brought them all together um, back that you know that 10, 12 years ago or so, and formed the Medtronic DRM framework. I wanted to harmonize on one set of practices, one set of terminology, sets of goals. And it's been that consistent program ever since. So we, from our team, we kind of um, shepherd that program, if you will, and roll out training. We roll out consultation on projects, assessments, metrics, and um, a lot of education about how to use these programs um, successfully when you're developing a new product or a new therapy and we think that will lead to better outcomes for when the product once it gets to market. How is it that the different businesses came up sort of with the understanding or the, or the, the recognition that they had to have a, a DRM program of their own? 
is it just was it something obvious that you have several different entities within Medtronic seeing the need for that and 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 in answering that, I'm curious how similar or different were the the different approaches that folks had settled on before you were able to to sort of bring them all under one umbrella. Yeah, there there were quite a few there were quite a few similarities if you step back and looked at it with an objective eye in terms of some people had chosen to do things some you know the one set of steps and five steps versus four steps or use different terminology and doing things in different orders and so some of that was fairly easy to kind of put together and make it make it fit and some things you know combining two things into one practice or one terminology so everyone kind of had the same general um, goal in mind in terms mm-hmm. of what they wanted to accomplish, but they had, you know, because it was, you know, all politics are local. They had just kind of you know, themselves developed it around a coffee table or around the conference table themselves and, and had gotten stuck on the words they chose. And so getting people to step back and look at it with fresh eyes and, and think about the benefits of the company of doing it consistently everywhere um, got us to, to having that harmonization exercise. And, and help me understand, I'm not an engineer. Where, where does DRMs fit into the, the product design process? Is it something that's looked at initially when you're first conceiving of, a, of a, an iteration of a new product or a new product entirely? Is it something that's brought in later to make sure there's alignment with things that have been done previously? Um, actually, all of the above. So okay. it's, really, it's, it's a collection of practices that are employed at the very start of the program, as well as during the the, the the heavy development, if you will, and then the transfer to manufacturing. And, and once it's post, post-transfer, post all, all of those, there are specific activities we'd like to see happening at all those points that we think will lead to success. So early on, do you understand who your customer is and how they're going to use the product and, and what the product will be exposed to? And then late, much later, we talk about manufacturing and transferring it to a factory. And do we understand how it's going to perform and, and what equipment we're going to need or what techniques or technologies are involved and, and do we have all that kind of well characterized and tested and so all these steps on the process from the idea to getting it to market um, there's different questions different activities you do at various points along the way that are all part of the DRM framework so again what are the objectives of DRM what what, what does it bring into into the design process that that wouldn't happen if uh, if you didn't have this this uh, system in place. So DRM really increases the chance the team builds the right product and it identifies technical pro- possible technical risks earlier that get addressed and, and worked through so they don't come back and surprise us, which sometimes means that a project is late because we are in the middle of development we have to stop and fix something, or mm-hmm. it means that we actually start making it and then we discover it's not doing what we want and we have to go back and fix it and then stop, stop selling it, for example, or stop using it clinically. So those activities, by being very deliberate on the front end of the project about you know those um, uses of the product and how it should be tested, and what technologies, um, we call them NUDs, new, unique, or difficult. So what are the, the NUDs that the project um, should be addressing? Um, we bring in experts from across the company, other businesses, other project teams that have familiarity with these technologies to help give the project team some, some fresh eyes and some objective um, assessments. And, and from all that work, then we put together uh, plans that figure out those risks early. So we we know we we know the potential uh, areas of problem and then we work to resolve them quickly as opposed to letting them percolate through the project and then come back and surprise us later. And and how has it uh, 
how has it played out? What are the uh, sort of what are some of the benefits that you've seen from uh, from the development of the DRM program? Well, we've, we've definitely seen projects that discovered something. You know, they, they had a let's say they had a plan, and then they stepped back and went through some assessments, started asking themselves some questions, and realized that there were things they hadn't thought of, and they were mm-hmm. things that and, and maybe maybe would have been okay to just kind of keep moving ahead, and it would have been a problem, but maybe it would have, you know, actually led to a, you know, a, a problem down the road later in the project. And so they've, they've improved the quality of the planning and they've been, they put things on their list of things they want to do that they otherwise wouldn't have thought of. And so that, that helps a lot. That gives us confidence that this, this framework and this prompting is, is guiding them to do better work than they would have if they just were assuming everything based on what the last product did, for example. And have you seen uh, results that you can measure in terms of uh, quicker development of uh, quicker time to market or quicker time to develop? We've seen some projects that we know reached the market faster and less expensively than if we had not done DRM because, for example, we used a lot of computational modeling, which is one of the DRM tools as well. So we, we, we know that the alternative to what we did on the program might have been a, a very long protracted clinical study or a lot of physical testing that would have taken, you know, years and cost many millions of dollars. Those project examples, we, um, we can identify those. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a little harder to, it's not like we can do a randomized control trial of with and without DRM to see if it makes a difference like in that, in that setting. But we, we definitely see that the projects tend to be more predictable as far as when they come out, they have less surprises in their development phase, you know, less technical problems are discovered late that force them to replan things um, as they're getting close to being done. And how do you how do you see things changing uh, in the future in, in, in device development? With the uh, where it seems to be the including and requiring more and more technology than before. Uh, how is this changing the the development process? Uh, well, one of the biggest changes for us is just the proliferation of software. So many, mm-hmm. so many of our products and therapies use either embedded code or apps or application software. And, and we've actually created kind of special DRM uh, frameworks, if you will, for software, because it's, it's different than a lot of our mechanical testing. Like, for example, we, we want... Um, our teams that they're building something like a, a heart valve, for example, or a catheter or something like that. We want them to do a lot of computational modeling and a lot of simulation before they ever make the first part or make the first mold, because that takes a long time and, and they, they can learn a lot in the modeling phase. But in software, it's better just to be testing your software constantly as you're going. So mm-hmm. we, we don't want them to be constantly testing heart valves as they go, because that would be making them all the time and making tiny changes to them. So we, we've adapted DRM for software and, and with the growth of, of AI and machine learning and, and large data sets playing a bigger and bigger part of our future, we're going to probably see some continued adjustments there as DRM adapts to where the center of gravity is moving with those kinds of algorithms being part of our portfolio. And final question, how, has, uh, how have your efforts changed uh, as a result of the, the reorganization I mentioned earlier or the, or the creation of the 20 business units? Have you, have you sort of, are you one of those layers that sort of uh, uh, rests upon all of them and you, and you sort of service them all? Or do you have teams embedded within each, within each structurally? What, is your, what do your efforts look like? And again, how have things been, been different for you since, uh, since the change? 
Yeah, I, I would say this, this, um, the DRM program is a great example of kind of the play big, play small mindset. So the, the DRM team in corporate, while it's not a large team, you know, by numbers is a play big activity, right? We are the ones who are defining the program and, and the metrics and kind of rolling out all the programming to the whole corporation from, from the center with some efficiency and some kind of consistency. And then on the play small side, all the operators have dedicated embedded resources that work for them that are their coaches and that are they're part of their project teams. And they're the ones who are kind of the boots on the ground DRM expert that's working every day with, with the engineers as they advance, as they answer projects. And those folks interact with my team on a regular basis to kind of keep the program coordinated and to share experiences and kind of learn from each other across the company. But it's very much kind of that, again, play big, play small split of how we have tackled this project. All right. Well, terrific, Mike. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the podcast and for uh, introducing us to uh, Medtronic's DRM program. Great talk with you. Have a great day. Thanks. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Thanks, of course, to our guest, Mike Hess, for joining us and our sponsor, Performance Motion Devices, for supporting this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Please do share this episode on your social media channels. You can put us out there on LinkedIn or Twitter. And when you do, please connect with me. I am out there at MedTechTom on Twitter or Tom Salemi on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram at MedTechTom if you'd like to, to find me there. Uh, please do also subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. You can find the Medtronic Talks podcast on any major podcast application. Just push follow or subscribe and uh, every future episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast will be sent to you. And you can also access all of our back episodes. We've got quite a few. You can access them there or you can find them on devicetalks.com or medtronic.com. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Tune in next time. We'll have another great story from Medtronic waiting for you. Medtronic.